Reverend Michael McGuire with us and his son Austin here with us. Brother McGuire was with us August of last year, and he happened to be in town and uh, this weekend and contacted me. And nothing is by accident or nothing is by coincidence with God. And so I believe God's going to do something great in this service today. He is a preacher of the Word of God, a preacher who instills faith and causes people to believe and trust God that anything is possible. And he's going to be actually preaching about that today. And uh, he is out of the church in St. Louis where we attended for 22 years. And uh, we probably told him this, but anytime Anthony thinks of Brother McGuire, he remembers maybe it was the first message he heard him preach, but the need for a personal altar. And uh, we all need a personal altar in our life where we're spending time with Jesus every day. We're excited to have him with us today. Would you make him welcome as he comes today? Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And, uh, part of the family of God. I know that I don't attend this church as a member, but we are all part of the family of God. Amen? Why don't we just lift our hands and our voices, and let's just call out and praise Him for just a minute. Would you do that however you feel comfortable? Lord, we praise You this morning. We worship You. We exalt You, and we lift You up. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all of the praise, and we give that to You this morning. The Bible says that God and habits the praises of his people. So as we begin to lift our voices and lift our hands or clap our hands and offer praise to him, he looks down into that. He dwells in that. He inhabits that praise. And as we do that, and when his power and his presence is in a place like this today, anything can happen. Miracles can happen. Do you believe that? Miracles can happen here today. I don't know what you've come in facing today. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe uh, you have a job situation. Maybe uh, you have pain or, or disease or infirmity. Uh, God is able to take care of that, and I believe that he's going to do something here in the next few minutes. God is going to meet with us here today. If you have your Bible, we'll turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and we'll start with verse 1. How many love your pastor? Why don't we give him a great hand? We love the Blackburns, and uh, it is important to have a man of God in your life. If you want to grow spiritually, it's very important to have the man of God in your life. And I'm glad that Brother Blackburn is pastoring this great church, and uh, we love them and appreciate them. I'm also glad to have my son with me, Austin. He's ten, almost 10 years old, and he's traveling with me. He said he was tired this morning, and I said, well, you can sleep in the car. Don't sleep on me when I'm preaching, son. Mark chapter 6 and verse 1 says, And when he went out from thence and came into his own country, his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished. They were saying, From whence hath this man these things? And... Uh, what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph 
and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kind, and in his own house. Verse 5 is where I want to draw your attention to. It says, And he could do there no mighty work, save except that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. That, that scripture makes me laugh every time I read it. It says he couldn't do uh, no mighty work, yet he laid his hands on some sick people and he healed them. I, I think sometimes we think, well, wow, that's a mighty work. Jesus touched them and healed them. Maybe they were blind. Maybe they were lame. Maybe they couldn't speak. Jesus laid his hands on them and healed them, but the Bible says he couldn't do a mighty work there. There were other things that Jesus wanted to do in that place. And the Bible says in verse 6, he marveled because of their unbelief. The reason he couldn't do that is because of their unbelief, and he went around about the villages teaching. This morning, I want to preach to you on this title, A Limitless God. A limitless God. Would you set your Bibles down and I wonder if you one more time would lift your hands and would you lift your voices? Would you ask God to speak into your life today through His Word? Lord, I thank you for the power of your Word and I thank you for the power of your Spirit that we feel in this place this morning. And I pray, God, that your Word would take deep root in our hearts today. I pray that our hearts would be open and receptive to you. I pray that faith would arise in this place here this morning, and we're going to give you the praise in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you. The word limit means a point or level beyond which something does not or may not extend past a restriction on the size or amount of something permissible or possible. So to limit something is to restrict something. You and I are uh, familiar with this word limit. You see, we're all dealt limits on a daily basis. Limits are just a fact of life. The speed limit, we have speed limits. Now, I know that we test our limits, and whatever the speed limit sign says, maybe some of you might do five or ten over that. But there is a limit there nonetheless. The President of the United States, arguably the most powerful man in the world, has limits. He has term limits. His power is limited by laws and regulations. I was thinking of a few other things that have limits. And uh, I thought I was in a hotel uh, this morning and last night. And, and when you walk into the elevator, there is a weight limit. Have you ever been in there and people start piling into an elevator and you're looking up at the weight limit going, oh man, I think we're getting pretty close here. I hope this thing goes up and doesn't go down. Um, when you go to a restaurant, they have seating limits. Uh, they can only seat so many. How many have been to a restaurant and it was full and you had to get on the wait list? How many hate to get on the wait list? I hate waiting to eat. Human frailty, human beings, us, we have limits. Uh, I guess you could say if you have 20-20 vision, you have great vision. But even though that's great vision, um, that still has limitations. Uh, you still can't see as far Maybe as you could with binoculars or a scope or something like that. Our, our sight is limited. Our hearing has limits. I was preaching 
uh, about this, uh, used this illustration. And, and when I said hearing has limits, I saw a bunch of people leaning over saying, what did he say? Their hearing was limited. We are told to know our limits. As you get older, this applies more often. I say to my dad, Dad, be careful. When it's 100 degrees outside, don't mow the lawn. Stay out of the heat. Know your limits. Grandpa has, my grandpa has a, a piece of property, 15 acres or so, and we tell him, hey, don't go. Know where you're limited. Don't go to that place without somebody. Don't do too much yard work. Don't uh, lift something that's too heavy. Be careful with that. Why? Because we're told to know our limits. And it seems that limits and limitations are a daily part of life. It's something that you and I have grown accustomed to, something that we have to accept. And I think it's easy for us to say, yet it's harder for us to comprehend uh, as we deal with limitations and limits every day. But can we really wrap our mind around a God who has no limits? We have a God. I've come to preach today that we have a God that is limitless. He has no limits. There is nothing that is too hard for Him. And uh, Revelation 1 and 8 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Alpha says that He is the beginning. There wasn't anything before Him. Before the world began in darkness and in the void uh, of the darkness, there was a God, Alpha. And after this world has passed away, after everything that we hold dear is gone, when there is nothing else left, there will be Omega, the ending, because God is Alpha and He is Omega, the beginning and the ending. And I think that sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend uh, God, a God that has zero limits. He is not bound by time. God is not bound by seasons. God is not bound by months or years. He is limitless. Would you clap your hands if you believe that? Why don't we give praise to him? He is a limitless God. God is omniscient. That means that he is all-knowing. Nothing surprises him. Nothing perplexes him. Nothing phases him. He is infinite in wisdom and in knowledge. You know, our human frailty, again, sometimes you and I face situations that surprise us, right? Sometimes you and I face situations that perplex us and, and we can't figure out how to work it out and how to figure it out. Uh, we don't know what the next step is, but God is omniscient. Nothing surprises him. Nothing surpasses or perplexes him. He is omniscient. One, Psalm 147 and 4 and 5 tells us he determines the number of the stars and the Bible says that he calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. God not only knows how many stars are in the universe, but the Bible says that he knows each of them by name. That's the Word of God. Do we believe the Word of God today? That's the Word of God. He knows how many stars are in the sky, and He calls them each by name. I read an Australian study a few years ago 
that put the number of stars at 70 million, million, million. Or the number 70 followed by 22 zeros. That means that there are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on all the beaches in the world. What an incredible picture of an omniscience of God. God is omniscient. He knows every one of those stars. And the Bible, His Word says that He calls each of them by name. That is an omniscient God. All-knowing. God is an omnipresent God which means that he is not limited by time or geography. You and I live uh, in this time, in this place, but God is not limited to time and place. He is here working and moving in our service. Do you feel his presence and his power? As we begin to worship him, as we begin to read his word, you can feel his power and his presence. But you know what? God's not limited to just this place right here. He's in Africa right now, and he's in Mexico, and he's in Spain, and and he's in Ukraine right now. He's working and moving and touching lives of people all over this world. Why? Because he is an omnipresent God. And because he's omniscient, because he's omnipresent, and because he is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, omnipotent. That means there is nothing that he cannot do. There is nothing that can overtake him. There is nothing that supersedes him. He is not some mighty. The Bible says that he is the almighty God. There is none above him. There is none beside him. He has no equal. He has no rival. He is omnipotent, and he is the all-powerful God. Do you believe that? Would you clap your hands if you believe that he's all-powerful? I'm not, I'm not asking you to clap your hands uh, because you need the exercise today, but when we clap our hands to the Word of God, we're saying, God, we believe that. We believe that you are all-powerful. We believe that you're here right now. We believe that you know everything. Because He's omniscient, and because He's omnipresent, and because He's omnipotent, it proves the fact that He is limitless. He is limitless, and he has no limits. I do want to turn your attention to this thought, though. However, in Scripture, we find that the limitless God can be limited. Hmm. That sounds contradicting, but I will show you in Scripture. Psalm chapter 78 and verse 4. I'm going to read through this chapter just a little bit. It says, We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Watch this. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might see their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. It might not be as their fathers, stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. 
They forgot his works, the Bible says, and his wonders that he had showed them, marvelous things that he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt and in the field of Zoan. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness, verse 40, and grieve him in the desert, verse 41. It says, yea, they turned back and tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78 and verse 9 says that the men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back in the day of battle. They had everything they needed. These men had leaders, and they had equipment, and they had been trained for months. They had the right weapons, and yet when the battle began to heat up, the Bible says that they ran away. What blows my mind about this is these were God's troops. This uh, did not even need to be a great fighting soldier. They didn't need to be that. They were God's troops. God was on their side, and he would fight for them. God won battles in the Bible as you read through the Scripture. He won battles where the soldiers never even lifted a hand. He sent angels in to do the work. And other times, he had let them slaughter uh, the enemy from behind. They had no need to fear. They were more than prepared. And yet they, they shrank when the opportunity came. Hear me again, they did not have to be strong or experienced. The only thing that God was asking of them was to show up and be willing to enter into the paddle and God would do the rest. You see, God could use them or work in spite of them. Show up, be willing, and God would have the opportunity to use them and bless them and, and to strengthen their faith and to show His might and His power and to encourage them. The only thing, hear me today, the only thing that could limit God's ability to give them victory that day was their refusal to give God a chance. The only thing that stopped God from performing the miraculous and showing them victory that day was their refusal to give God a chance. They limited their blessing that day. They limited their faith that day. They limited the limitless God because they did not give Him the chance. They nailed the door shut when they refused to give God a chance. I've come this morning to tell some people that are seated in this congregation today that we serve a limitless God. The Bible proves that, that He has no limits and that He is all-powerful. However, the only thing that can limit the limitless God is if we do not give God a chance. I believe that God can do anything. I'm going to tell you some stories in just a minute. I believe that he can perform the miraculous. I'll go as far to say as I believe that he wants to perform the miraculous in our lives. And he wants to bless us. And he wants to give us victory. But so many times we don't see it because we refuse to give God a chance. The Bible says, you have not because you Ask not. You want to talk about limiting God? Now, I know that uh, 
Bible proves that he can do anything. But you want to talk about limiting God? His word says you have not because you didn't ask for it. I have the power. He has the authority. He has everything that you need, but he is waiting for you to ask for it. The miracle is in your mouth. Many times we have limited God's power and His blessing and His miracles that He desires to do in our lives simply because we did not give God a chance to do it. We did not ask Him. We did not think that it was important enough. We did not think that the need was big enough. You know what? I know that I'm standing behind the pulpit today, but can I tell you that I have done this in my life? I'm going to be transparent with you today. There's some things that I've gone through in my life and my family that I felt like wasn't, it wasn't big enough, it wasn't important enough for me to, to seek the face of the Almighty God to work out in that situation. And I wonder how many times I haven't received an answer or a blessing because I simply did not ask God to do it in my life. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. There is nothing that is too small that you ask God that He will not work in. There is nothing that is too big that you are facing that if you ask God, He will not work in. Everything that is small and everything that is big, we ought to bring it before the God who has all power in heaven and in earth and let Him do the work. Because if we do not let Him do the work, we are tying His hands and we are refusing to give Him a chance. His word says that he is a provider. Can I tell somebody, why don't you give him a chance? His word says that he's a deliverer. Why don't you give him a chance? His word says that he is a deliverer and a way maker and a miracle worker and a peace speaker. So why don't we just go ahead and ask God to do that? And why don't we give God a chance? Would you clap your hands if you believe that? We've got to give God a chance. We've got to get away from this mindset that says, well, that problem is too small and God probably isn't concerned about that. He's concerned about it because He's concerned about you. Or that problem, a lot of times we face giants or mountains in our life that seem so big because of our frailty. They seem so big to us. Family situations, work situations. I'll say the C word, cancer. They, some of those things seem so big to us that we, sometimes we just want to give up and we want to throw in the towel because we don't understand how we're going to make it through uh, maybe that trial or tribulation. But I've come to preach today that we serve a limitless God and there is nothing that's too hard for Him. So we might as well just bring it before Him and let Him do the work and let Him have a chance at working on our behalf. Ephesians 3 and 20 is probably one of my favorite scriptures. It says, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above 
all that you ask or even think. That means that when you start asking him to do something in your life, he's able to do that. But he's also able to do exceeding and abundantly above that. Let me give you a testimony of that. I I think the last time I was here, I told you about my family and my family's testimony. But I won't go into all of that today. But my dad uh, was saved in the military. He was the only one in his family that was saved. And... uh, He wanted to see his family saved, but they didn't want anything to do with God. They didn't want anything to do with church. And uh, so my grandpa, his dad, was dying in the hospital. And uh, uh, my dad went there, had his black suit, and was going to preach his funeral because his family said that uh, his dad was not going to make it. And so my dad flew to Tucson, Arizona to preach his dad's funeral, Uh, but He walked into that hospital room, and when he walked into that hospital room, his dad, Glenn McGuire was his name, uh, said, 19 years ago, you told me that you saw the light. Now, what about it? My dad had been praying for his dad for 19 years that God would work in his life. I don't have time to tell you that whole story, but my grandpa in his 70s was baptized and was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. My dad's mom, all of his sisters and his brothers were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. All of their husbands and wives and all of their children were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. There was a biker gang, Hell's Angels, and those men were in the next uh, curtain. There was a curtain that separated the room, and they were uh, in the next room. And as my dad began to tell his dad about the power of God and that he hadn't sinned too many times and that God could still forgive him and that God loved him, they ripped that curtain back and said, Hey, we want to know about this. And my dad baptized them in the name of Jesus. What started out as a prayer of what my dad thought he was going to go do for his dad, my grandpa, turned into exceeding abundantly above all that he could ask or even think of. God did a miracle in his family. I was preaching in Arkansas a while back, and in the middle of the service, Uh, The pastor said, we're going to go down and we're going to pray for some people that need healing. And I said, all right. And so uh, he had a bottle of oil, and uh, he he handed me that bottle, and he said, I want you to go. We're just going to go around and pray for people. And so there were some ladies that had stepped out, and I... uh, uh, There was a lady right here in the middle, and so we prayed for that lady. She was an elderly lady, and uh, we prayed for her, and we walked around, and we started praying for somebody else, and all of a sudden, there was this excitement, and screaming and shouting and I thought what in the world is going on and uh, that lady walked up to the front and I believe she was probably in her 70s or 80s and she had a torn rotator cuff she could not lift her hand this high her arm this high it was torn and it was very painful and all she could do was this but as we laid hands on her and we prayed for her she started lifting her hands and throwing them in the air and God had healed her instantly in that service I'm talking about a God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all the that we ask or think. Notice what that scripture says, though. It's talking about God. And it says that he's able to do, and we love to quote the scripture, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all what? we got to ask. All that we ask him to do. 
But if we refuse to ask him, I wonder. I wonder if, if the reason we haven't seen the miracles in our lives and our families is because we haven't asked. Oh God, I've asked God, forgive me and help me not to tie your hands so that you can't do a work in my church and in my family. But God, I want to ask. I want to bring it before your throne and I want you to do a work. Mark chapter 6 and 1 says, He went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples followed him. Verse 5 it says, And he could do there no mighty work. He couldn't do a mighty work there. He just laid hands upon a few sick people and he healed them. The Bible says that he marveled because of their unbelief. The limitless God showed up. And because these people knew him, because they saw him, they did not believe that he was able to do these things. And because there was unbelief, he could not do a mighty work. You know what they did there? They limited the limitless God. I mean, I guess only we could imagine and think. I, I don't have Bible. It doesn't tell us what he wanted to do there. It says that he healed some people, and, and we would call that a miracle. I mean, if we saw somebody healed, this place would probably go crazy today. But the Bible says that he couldn't do a mighty work. I wonder, can you just think, what was he talking about there? We don't know. Our imaginations probably could go all over the place. But he wanted to do some things in their lives. He wanted to do some mighty things in their lives. Maybe in that city, maybe in their families. No telling what he wanted to do, but they limited him because of their unbelief. You know, when we pray and when we ask, we don't do that out of protocol, do we? We do that because we believe that He can and wants to do what we have prayed for and asked for. And I'll be as blunt to say this. If we're doing it just because it's what we're supposed to do or just because we take prayer requests or just because we pray, we might as well give up and not do it. Because when I have unbelief, when I have unbelief, when I don't really, when I'm just saying it and I don't believe, I am limiting God because where there is unbelief, He's not going to work. He proved that in Scripture. But when I bring my needs before Him, when we, we, just had, we just had prayer requests here. We prayed over a bunch of different... When we pray for those needs, we ought to pray and we ought to believe that God is doing a work and that He's getting ready to do and work in each of those needs. I was preaching at another church. I'm not going to tell you where this one was at or when it was, but I was preaching there and... I mean, I preached as hard as I could preach. I thought it was a pretty good message. And nobody moved. Nobody said anything. Nobody, you know, there, there really wasn't a whole lot of faith in the building that I could see. And I got about three quarters of the way done. This is, this is I'm just being transparent with you. And I thought, man, I don't know if I'm ever coming back here again. 
Maybe, maybe that message was bad and I'm not getting invited back. I don't know. But I, they're just, something was going on, you know, and, and I thought, I'm going to finish this thing up and then we're going to lunch and I'm going home. And that was it. That was the end of the day. And uh, I gave an altar call and asked people to come up that wanted to be prayed for, and, and some people did. And uh, in all transparency and honesty, there wasn't anything crazy that happened uh, during that time. We prayed for a few people, and that was it. And then uh, the pastor closed the service, and I was sitting over here on the second row waiting you know, for, to leave and uh, waiting for the pastor to finish up what he was doing, and then we were going to go to lunch. And uh, all of a sudden, right here, there was this uh, lady that was screaming and shouting and, and just dancing. And I thought, what? And church was over. Church was over. Like, they dismissed. I thought, what in the world is going on? And they brought that lady over to me, and uh, they said that that lady... Uh, had not been able to see. All she could see was shadows. She couldn't see any details at all. They said that her and her husband would sit in a recliner at home and she could look over there and it was basically just a blob. She could not see anything, no details. But when uh, she still had a watch on and after that service, she just out of habit looked down at her watch. This, I saw this watch. It was about the size of a dime. You know, those, those little tiny watches. Uh, and it was about the size of a dime. And when she looked down at that watch, she could read every number on that watch. I had thought that nothing's happening. I don't know what's going on. But there was just one person who had faith and believed that God could do a miracle and God could do a work. And because of that one person, God said, I'm going to step in and I'm going to do the work in her life because she has faith to believe that I can do it. I've come to preach to somebody here today. Why don't you just give God a chance today? Why don't you ask him, no matter what you're facing or what you're dealing with, why don't you give God a chance? Would you stand with me? We serve a limitless God. We serve a limitless God. He has no boundaries. Hear me, church. He has no limits. He has all power and authority, the Word says, in heaven and in earth. So there is no circumstance that you are facing that He did not know about. There is no sickness, no disease, no pain or infirmity that He cannot heal. There is no family issue that he cannot restore. And I know sometimes we face, we've, every one of us, because we're humans, we face things in our family. It doesn't matter if you've served God for one day or 40 years. Sometimes we face things in our families that we just can't work out and we can't figure out on our own. I've come to tell somebody here today, I feel the Holy Ghost. God is speaking and God is moving. Why don't you give God a chance? Why don't you start talking to Him and praying to Him about your family situation and see what He will do? There is no storm that you're facing, no trial that you're facing that He cannot speak peace to.
There is no addiction or chain that you have in your life that he cannot break. It doesn't matter. If you're, if you're uh, dealing with addiction to alcohol or addiction to drugs or addiction to pornography, those chains that have you bound that you feel like you cannot get past, I've come to tell you today, he can break those chains today. There's no problem that he cannot solve. There is no stronghold that he cannot tear down. Because there is no limit to His power. You see, when we limit God, we bind Him and we tie His hands. A lot of times it's because of our doubt, our unbelief, because of the size of the problem or the situation. But when we have faith and when we bring our needs to Him, we loose Him and we free Him and we relinquish our problem, and we say, let God be God. God, you are God, and only you can work this out. So I've come to ask somebody here today, will you give God a chance today? Would you give God a chance? I want you to, would you bow your heads right now, and would you close your eyes? We're going to just talk to him for just a minute. Lord, we feel your power. We feel your presence. We feel your spirit. I know that you're wanting to work and wanting to move in hearts and lives here today. And I pray, God, that faith would arise. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Lord, take every bit of unbelief out of my life, out of my heart. And would you fill me full of faith, full of faith to receive what you want to do in my life today.